SRW presents OMG KPI, the latest news and trends in the digital marketing world, with Steve Ennett and Kenny Cologne. Hello and welcome to OMG KPI, your bi-weekly bite-sized snapshot of the digital marketing world. We are your hosts, Steve Ennett and Ketty Cologne. And we are recording here at SRW in the beautiful West Loop of Chicago. This is our first installment of our new podcast where we try to help you stay up to date and keep your digital marketing campaigns shining. Again, we're here from SRW. We're a digital marketing agency that is not at all like a digital marketing agency. Uh, we primarily work with clients in the uh, CPG space and even more specifically with a lot of natural and organic f- food clients. So a lot of the content will at least be somewhat uh, tailored to that industry, but we're hoping these are takeaways that anybody could use. This uh, first installment here is going to be focused on the Chicago Digital Summit, which Ketty and I both attended uh, two weeks ago at the end of September. Uh, We did a bit of a divide and conquer and saw a wide variety of presentations. What we did is narrow down everything we saw into uh, five key takeaways that uh, we're going to walk through. So just to give a little bit of background on us before we get into it, uh, again, I am Steve Ennett. Uh, I've been here at uh, SRW for a little bit over a year. Uh, I've got a background in traditional and digital media. I've been a media planner and buyer at uh, a couple different agencies over the last five years since graduating from Mizzou, M-I-Z. Um, And when I'm not managing uh, our paid social media campaigns and doing our monthly reporting, uh, I'm usually getting ready for uh, a rap battle. Uh, Go to YouTube and search XQZ if you want to see me rapping in my other life. Um, Or I'm just spending way too much time playing Fortnite. And I'm Kenny Colomb. My background is everything digital, basically. Um, I started to specialize in paid search in 2011. Um, I've worked for B2B, CPG, uh, defense contractors, and the list can go on. Um, in my spare time, uh, you can find me playing Destiny, um, kickball, dodgeball, um, hanging out with my three dogs, and, oh, I went to UCF National Champs. Woo! Uh Undefeated. Rubbing it in. Yes. Undefeated. We're 17-0 right now. So. so you've got two tremendous nerds on your hands. Yes. How's your week going, Ketty? Fantastic. I'm not looking forward to the cold that's going to be creeping up later this week, but I guess that's what's living in Chicago about. <laughs> yeah, I think my days of biking to work are slowly coming to an end, but at least I got to humble brag about it on our podcast just now. I think that's it, yeah, right? Let's get into this digital summit. Yeah. I don't know if you want to start it off. Yeah, so one of the big key takeaways that I took from that conference is that traditionally each segment of digital marketing, they all work in silos. Like strategists will, you know, continue to uh, have their blinders on and, you know, work in their in their scope. Uh, the creatives will do the same thing uh, as well as the paid media team. And um, in order to get a better picture, a better view of your customer, you guys need to co- incorporate everyone into the brainstorming process 
not even if you know the creative does not know anything about SEO, include them on the meetings because they might have an insight that you don't know as a paid uh, media person or even an SEO specialist. So you want to get the whole 360 view from everyone that you're working with in order to to better process the customer journey on a website, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just to give a little bit of background, uh, Ketty and I both work on the paid media and analytics side of things here. And so we're, you know, working on paid social and search and display campaigns, doing the initial setup and the day-to-day optimizations as far as targeting and, and shifting budgets around and, and things like that. But I think what we what we saw in a, through a lot of the speakers that we heard from at the conference uh, and, and even just what we've been seeing naturally start to occur is it doesn't make as much sense to to have media in its own world and, you know, creative doing their own thing. And that's, you know, a lot of agencies will tend to specialize in in a certain area. Either they'll do just media or just creative or just strategy. And we're seeing more and more of all that converging uh, really with the emergence of digital in general. And I think that's especially relevant on the uh, paid social media side of things. Not only that, but like since Amazon's becoming such a big player in the paid search um, field, it's now more than ever you need to to uh, like I need to work with you more on the social side as well as you need to work with me more on the paid media side through um, search on uh, Google Ads and Bing in order to get the the true customer view because when you combine social social search and Amazon, that's when you get the the true customer persona and view. Because people go on Amazon to purchase. They don't they start off in social and search to research and then they end up purchasing on Amazon. That's a great point too, in really whether you're looking at it from a, a branding or a direct response or more sales focused point of view. Uh, it is interesting, you know, I know something that I've seen that we've tried to move away from a bit is, you know, you'll have your your brand voice on Facebook and Instagram and it's it's super fun and this really specific type of character but then in search it's you yeah. know that's that voice is no longer there it's yeah. very straightforward kind of bland and so you know when you have all these channels working together and you have that one unified voice i think that's going to um do a lot better for you in in the long run mm-hmm. i agree another thing that uh that again was kind of repeated throughout the conference was this idea of convergence in technology you know, for anyone who's ever worked in digital media or really traditional media as well, uh, you know how overwhelming the ecosystem of potential vendors and and partners uh, can really be. The famous example is the is the uh, digital ecosystem picture that you see, where it tries to list and categorize every digital vendor that's out there, um, and it's just. A remarkably overwhelming list that's continuously growing. Um, I think I, I heard a statistic at the conference that said there were, as of uh, 2017, there were over 6,800 digital marketing solutions out there. Hmm. Um, so clearly, no one could ever get around to testing all of them, determining which is really the best. But the POV that I was hearing a lot throughout the day was, you know, all the technology is advancing so fast and becomes readily available so easily that it's almost getting to a point where it doesn't 
ultimately matter a whole lot which vendor or which technology you end up moving forward with. They're all going to eventually plateau at around this same point. Not only that, but with the emergence, too, of uh, of AI and machine learning, the day-to-day optimizations that someone who manages these campaigns might usually be making aren't going to be as necessary anymore because they'll be more automated. You know, Ketty doesn't have to spend as much time shifting budgets between different ad groups in, in Google AdWords. I don't need to be uh, shifting budgets between different ad sets in Facebook. You know, it's it's all audit happening yeah, automatically. Re- and and it's funny because I, I started in the paid search world back in 2011 when uh, you had to pay to take the, it's called Google AdWords exam back then. Um, you had to pay to take it. So in its infancy, Google AdWords, well, now Google Ads, was very time-consuming, and there was a lot of manual processes. Like, if I wanted to change the bid on a certain keyword, I had to do that manually. Now, with uh, Google Ads machine learning, like, I just set the target uh, cost per acquisition, and... I don't even I don't even do that anymore, and that's funny to me because I always thought that I would be doing that for the rest of my career, essentially, because that's just how it was when it first started, and and to see the progress that these companies have made since you know I started seven years ago is really really phenomenal. There was a, a point made by a speaker, uh, Caitlin Halpert from Three Q Digital, had the quote that I think stuck with me the most from that conference, and it was that uh, platforms are leveling the playing field. Having a deeper understanding of your customer is one of the last true differentiators that marketers have. And I think that's a really good point. With all this machine learning and the way technology is advanced, you're not going to see as much of a disparity between the you know someone who's amazing at managing paid media campaigns and someone who's not. It's all going to even out. But what's going to give people the edge is how well they understand their customer. And there are a lot of opportunities for for different ways to get this information, whether it's testing different audiences uh, through your Facebook targeting and, and see what's performing best. It's collecting user information when you get them to sign up for an e-newsletter or you run into them at a uh, a conference or a trade show and, and get their contact information that way. The more information you can get up front and the more speci- you, and the more you take advantage of how targeted these you know digital campaigns are able to be, that's what's going to give you the edge versus making sure you're picking the right programmatic vendor or making the right budget shifts and, and day part shifts day to day. It's less in the weeds and more a big picture understanding of who you're trying to reach. Another concept that was, I've heard the term thrown around before, but never broken down like this was uh, performance marketing. It's this idea that all the different, kind of similar to what you mentioned earlier, all these different silos and, and categories of marketing are all being are all starting to converge into one. There's less of a separation between branding and awareness versus direct response. There's less of a of a gap between online conversions, you know, online marketing versus uh, offline marketing. It's all the efforts are all coming together into kind of a, just an overall unified strategy and how it was uh, positioned as this idea of performance marketing, which is Again, taking these, not looking at these different channels as far as how well is search working, how well is social media working. It's how well is this whole big picture plan working. There was this quote that uh, 
was brought up, it was a quote from the CEO of Google who said, brand advertising is the last bastion of unaccountable spending in corporate America. Um, and that's, that's becoming less and less true because now every single thing is very measurable. So, you know, for example, here at SRW with a lot of our clients whose main goal is just overall awareness and, and building their, their reputation in that consideration set, just because there's not a direct purchase tied to that doesn't mean we can't measure how well that's working. You just have to make sure you're looking at the big picture. So if we run three months of, the, of a campaign on social media that's primarily focused on maximizing reach and awareness, maybe we don't see a lift in online revenue or you know e-commerce purchases for that time period but maybe when you look you know over the course of a year in the coming months after that campaign you see a slight lift or you see a huge boost in web traffic that then later on translates to more purchases so i think the key reminder here was just not to get too caught up in things like last click attribution or you know expecting to see immediate conversions and results, it's looking at the big picture and how everything is coming together to boost your overall awareness, which then turns into interest and engagement, and then lastly turns into conversions. So that can segue into the speaker, Brian Massey. Um, He reminded me a lot of Dr. Flint McLaughlin. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but that's another data scientist that um, I had the chance to see a couple of years ago that all his hypotheses were uh, researched based and he had a, a whole f- a value proposition formula for websites and landing pages but that could be like a totally told another topic but anyways <laughs> so the one uh, key thing that he, that uh, he said in his uh, speech is that um, market research is just a collection of hypotheses so just because studies are showing that millennials eight you know ages 25 to 31 love nuts doesn't necessarily mean that they would like your product or, you know, just (laughs) things like that. Like, um, when people come to your website, they're coming completely different reasons if then they're walking into a store. So, um, you have to understand their intentions or else you have the wrong answer. And also when, in, in these studies, people don't really tell you the truth about their actions. So that's why he's saying that you should treat this as a hypothesis and, and do your own testing to see if that would work for your brand, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, like, c- it's like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater type mm. thing. It's kind of interesting because, you know, obviously we both ended up with a job in, you know, we both ended up working in analytics. We're both uh, numbers people, which means we like there to be a clear you know, absolute answer to things, which is very counterintuitive from this world of marketing. And that's something that I think a lot of, I know at every agency I've ever worked at, I'm sure most people can relate. Clients, you know, your your clients and your partners want to have clear answers. They want to know what's working, how much should we be spending? What is the benchmark that you know, signifies that things are working and it's just never really as simple as that. I think that idea that it's a it's a collection of hypotheses, you should always, always be testing, never assume you've figured out the absolute answer. That's a really important thing to keep in mind because even though industry benchmarks and averages, they're, they're out there, they're available um, and they're a good starting point, but ultimately the only benchmarks that you're really competing with are your own. You're trying to constantly improve. It goes back with that idea of performance marketing. You know, you want to just see 
overall progress and things moving in the right direction as opposed to getting just stuck on certain numbers and adjust as, as your results change and as your hypotheses uh, continue to change. Which yeah. I think segues nicely into uh, another another presentation you saw about this core modeling idea. Yeah, so um, this idea came out in like 2007, so I'm surprised I haven't heard of it until now. But basically, when we think of, uh, of when we're building a website, it's usually you think of the business goals and, and then you work. You're, and then you start creating all these landing pages. But then when you think about it, most of like 90% of those landing pages that you're creating don't have the user in mind. So all those web pages are basically useless. You have to focus our attention on where the user wants to be. And that's where you have to basically map your business goals and the user's tasks together and figure out what the core task pages are. And then from there, you build your website. And there's, there's like a bunch of worksheets online. If you Google the core modeling uh, for websites, they have the, the, the handouts and things like that, that you could get together with um, your strategists, your creatives, um, your SEO specialists, paid media, search search and social, all that, you can get, all get together as a team, the CMO, anyone, and uh, basically define your business goals, the user tests, and from that you could get your core pages. That is how you make an effective website that people would want to stay on longer and consume the content because you're, you're keeping the user at the top of, your, of the mind. That is really interesting. So, it, so simply put, it's, it's looking at the, what you want the final actions to be that the users take and, and work backwards from there. So thinking about that end result and then moving backwards through that journey, how you can yeah, get you, them to that like point. Before you even think about the, the design, the concept, the development, you need to define the user tax, tasks, the business goals, and then from there do the core modeling process. Yeah, something that uh, that you might notice as a recurring theme on this podcast is, you know, we're gonna look at the all the steps of the digital marketing process and essentially suck all the fun out of it, all the flashy <laughs> design stuff, the creative stuff. That's not us. We're the boring numbers and, and functionality folks. So we're just going to uh, take the fun parts out and focus on the numbers and the technical stuff and uh and hopefully we don't lose you in the process yeah it's, yeah so we're here for the the data nerds so uh, moving back to the core modeling uh technique um so let's say for example you are a uh, research grant uh website so your core page is a research grant so your business goal would be to attract the best applicants for the projects and then the user task goal is to find and apply for a grant so and then from there you go and you fill out the inward paths, the core content, and then the forward paths from for that specific goal. Uh, the last kind of key takeaway that uh, we're going to talk about is this idea of gamification. I saw a really cool presentation by a Mitch Cantor from Vanderbilt University, and he just gave a, a real good overview, kind of an introduction to this idea of gamification. And basically, it's taking um, it's taking elements from the world of gaming and um, and applying that to your marketing. And with the way that gaming has exploded the last couple of years, it's it's hard to argue with uh, with anything around that industry. But um, it's basically 
a way of taking your marketing from shooting messages and and you know different calls to action and videos and things like that at your consumers um, and changing it from messaging to offering them an experience. It's a way for brands to stand out and, and be fun and also humanize them a bit more as there's more interaction going on. What it boils down to is, uh, you know, it's not too different than a normal marketing strategy. You're still identifying who your audience is, how you're going to interact with them. But it's basically taking concepts from games and, and different ways, different game mechanics and different types of players and different types of competition levels and just applying that into some sort of campaign or some sort of activation. And, and now with like, um, you know, how easy it is to integrate uh, Facebook into like applications, you know, it's easy to do leaderboards through apps as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be, it really can be something as simple as loyalty programs that you're trying to earn enough points to get to and the next level. Target it does a really good job of that. Like, uh, if you log in with, uh, into their mobile app with, uh, you know, to use their coupon system and to look at the, the pages, uh, the weekly circular, um, they have uh, badges that, you know, for a certain amount of money that you spend, you earn a badge. For how many coupons you clip, you earn a badge. And it places you against your friends on Facebook. And it's pretty interesting to see that. <laughs> like, who really shops at Target a lot? Like, you could find that out through that app from your friends. Yeah. Another cool example that, that Mitch shared was, and I can't remember how, exactly which museum it was, but there was a, there was a museum that switch their pricing model from paid admissions to donations only, um, but with the amount of, with your total contribution and with the amount that you donated, you would receive rewards and badges and, and receive new titles. Um, I think there were even things like quests to, you know, to see certain things in the museum. So they completely made it a, a gamification model um, instead of a traditional paid admission. But also admission. very interactive as well. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, not only with how you pay, but to act how you actually interact with the museum, with you know, with the the setting, and so, and I and I know that they and they reported a huge increase in uh, in revenue and in just engagement on social media and and with their um, with their patrons in general, and so if it's it really it allows a brand to flex their creativity and and to and to offer more than just traditional brand messaging. You and I are both grew up playing video games so like to to see a brand do some sort of gamification it's just it's fun you know yeah i i get hooked in pretty easily i mean the most famous example is of course mcdonald's the monopoly pieces Mm -hmm. i don't did you ever do that um see this if i ate more at mcdonald's i would but jewel osco did their monopoly thing and i and they had the app to keep track of your um stickers so you don't you didn't have to do it yourself. So that was fun. I was really close to winning a million dollars. If only. If only. But then we wouldn't be here recording this right now. But uh, <laughs> you could even argue that, you know, Uber and Lyft with their ratings and they have the flashing lights that you can change for the color from your phone. They're always they're, trying to add new Snapchat little filters. Snapchat. Too. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. there's, you see little examples everywhere. And, and when you really stop and think about it, um, most of, I would say most of the, you know, just about all of the major brands or the, at least the hot brands right now are doing some form of 
gamification, whether it's a simple loyalty program or something a little bit more outside the box? Yeah. Um, one example that comes into mind um, in Orlando, there's this restaurant called Seuss High. And the minute you walk in, they're like, welcome ninjas, how do you want your food, blah, 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 blah. But then when you sign up for their loyalty program, you could create your own little ninja avatar, which is cute. That is cool. <laughs> That's very cool. And it, um, and then you also, for social media heads, then you also end up with more UGC, which is always a plus. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Mm. And there, another form of gamification that is not really like um, app-based or anything like that, it's like the contests that we see on Instagram, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like posting a picture and then tagging people and then getting yeah. free swag or a gift card. That's a great way to engage your your user base. Yeah, and if you're having trouble getting started, you know, just think of a real simple, you know, like remember like the plank challenges or all, all those just not necessarily a meme, but something that can catch on really easily, a face swap, a, you know, or even... You know, if you're in the CPG space like us, there's an, the opportunity to just, you know, use one of our products in a recipe, show us what you just made. So we do that with uh, several of our partners now and posts, you know, Instagram posts especially that include some sort of giveaway or contest uh, end up performing usually um, significantly better than, um, than average. So that uh, that about wraps it up for OMG that, KPI. That about wraps it up for <laughs> OMG KPI, our first episode. Um, if you uh, enjoyed or have any feedback, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Steve XQZ or I'm at Ketty C K E T T Y C. Uh, or for more on our agency, you can go to srw.agency. Uh, that's about it. We will talk to you in two weeks. T-T-Y-O.